1: of the Rings. The Rings of Power is on the way and we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello everybody, Mike Bloom here officially bringing you coverage of the upcoming Amazon Prime series that continues the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Now this is not the first time that we have spoken about this but we're making it official official. We're putting a ring on it if you will, in a manner of speaking, as we are but a few weeks away from the September 2nd premiere of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, and this will be but one of many podcasts we are working on leading up to the premiere, but I'm very excited to bring in my guest. Again, if you listen to anything Lord of the Rings on Post Show Recaps, you know her voice, as well as if you just listen to Post Show Recap stuff in general, because she has been out and about like Sauron, she is watching all and she's talking about some she is more radiant to me than Galadriel sitting in Lothorian it is my lovely wife the great Angela Bloom Angela how are you I'm
0: doing okay how are you
1: I'm doing well I do realize that there are people out there that are like oh I don't know what any of those words he just mentioned means good news this podcast is specifically for you
0: Yay!
1: Exactly. Inclusivity. So, Inclusivity. Exactly. So we are talking about, again, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. But for our first podcast on the road to the series, we're going to start super bare bones. We're like trolls. We're picking things through to the bone. Because I could imagine there are certainly people out there who are looking to check out this series, but do not know Lord of the Rings from a hole in the ground. Uh, we live in a very fortunate time filled with so many different types of fantasy things, uh, which is really great for the Bloom household in particular. Yeah, we're we are into a, it. Yeah, fantasy-loving household. But I'm sure between you know your Game of Thrones, your Witchers, there's a lot of like medieval fantasy stuff happening. And when Lord of the Rings was really, in my opinion, at its zenith culturally, which was the Peter Jackson films in the early 2000s, there may be some people who didn't check it out for one reason or another, perhaps weren't even born yet, and so have little to basically no knowledge about the world of Middle-earth, the world of Lord of the Rings, let alone what's to come in the Rings of Power. So just to set up what this podcast is, this is essentially Middle-earth 101, we are going to be talking about, again, bare bones, basic stuff about the world of Middle Earth, what the major, you know, character types are, a bit of the timeline about the show as well, so that if you are the most uneducated rube out there, you'll get a sense as to what this world is if you do want to jump in and watch the series, which we encourage you to do.
0: Yeah, I'm super pumped to talk about it. Um, I think that I am well equipped to mm. teach the... Lord of the Rings course, uh, History of Middle-Earth 101.
1: I'll see if you get tenure by the end of this. (laughs)
0: Um, You know, I think that my experience with Lord of the Rings came prior to Peter Jackson's movies in my reading of Lord of the Rings material. And then, you know, obviously seeing the movies and and all of that. But, um, you know, we'll get into it. But the Rings of Power are uh, something that... Nobody really knows what's going to happen because it's not content that was written prior to being produced on screen, which is very interesting.
1: Yeah, it's exciting because that puts us all in the same boat, right? Yes. much like the end from of a story re- perspective. Much like the end of one of the many endings of Return of the King, right? We're sailing off to unknown parts alongside Gandalf <laughs> and Frodo. Yes, so, the so Grey Havens. Yeah. So if you are, which we'll talk more, about, we'll talk about if you're a little more knowledgeable of. Lord of the Rings, and you're sort of like, "Ah, I don't need this sort of yada yada, been there, done that. Don't worry. Again, this is but the first of a few ramp-up podcasts. Just give off the top here our schedule for the remaining preseason of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Next week, I'm going to be doing a podcast that, as I mentioned before, lots of fantasy franchises out there at the moment. And very specifically, we are seeing two exist primarily at the same time in the form of House of the Dragon, uh the Game of Thrones prequel, which I'm also talking about here on post show recaps. And we're going to do a little bit of like a compare and contrast, you know, what's similar about these two franchises, what do we expect from them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm going to be doing those with the person that I'm going to be primarily covering this show with in r philly the great rich filberto aka dm philly a uh, really one of our de facto experts on all things amazon prime fantasy here on posher recaps he of course covered the wheel of time voluminously when it was out last year he and i covered the legend of vox machina He's a huge Tolkien head as well. Very excited to have Rich on. We gave him a much well-deserved break this week, but he and I will be on next week talking about Lord of the Rings versus House of the Dragon, um, maybe with a couple people as well, guest list TBD. The week after that, if you're just looking for, again, meat and potatoes, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew, what to expect from Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power in particular. That's when we're doing our official preview, going through some of the characters. Of course, Angela and I, earlier this year, it seems like ages ago, but about six months ago, you and I got together. I think it was the night of the Super Bowl, yes, right? Yes, because that's, when, that's they,
0: when they released the trailer.
1: Yeah, they released the first teaser, and so we talked about that. That's when we also went through like what we knew so far. Things have come out since. Another trailer, some Mm Comic-Con stuff. Some images. Yeah, so Rich and I will have some more time there to be able to preview the show and what we're going to expect proper before officially launching into our coverage on uh, September 2nd with, I just think, episode one of many uh, very excited to get into it but yeah that's what's to ex- expect moving forward hopefully along the way as well i'll bring in angela for maybe a few like
0: we'll see
1: yeah a few <laughs> feedback shows along the way just to get her thoughts on it because i think we'd be remiss not to go through an entire tolkien product without getting your thoughts on it
0: i mean i'm sure i'm gonna have thoughts but i'm excited to kind of jump in and give a little bit of a history lesson uh on on the world
1: yeah exactly so again that's what we're primarily doing today Again, if you want to just find out more about the series proper, come back in a couple of weeks. We have that for you. But again, this is for the real uninitiated who just like have no idea what they're getting themselves into. And what I'm here to say is you're getting yourselves into a good time. Uh, The world (laughs) of Middle Earth is...
0: It's rich. It's complex. It's... There's a lot to it. But I will say from the get-go, you know, you really don't need to know a ton, I imagine, to watch this show. Um, And we'll give you those sort of bare bones informational points to kind of, and then also I can give you some insight into where to find more info. If you do want to kind of breathe life into your history <laughs> books, I don't know, you know, breathe kind of,
1: life, give CPR to those. Yeah. You
0: know, I think that there's a, there's a lot of Tolkien content out there and there has been even since, you know, the release of certain things um, post Peter Jackson's movies as well to kind of help uh, like, I guess you could say like flesh out the world for people. But um, yeah, so I don't know. Where do you want to start?
1: I guess where I want to start is actually your own personal history. Talk about breathing life into things because I feel like all of us have our own Individual stories when it comes to finding ah yes, Uh, and and you I mean again are incredibly well entrenched into this world. You mentioned that you're a little hipster type, right? And that you explored this. That's how you describe me. I mean, (laughs) where's the lie? Um,
0: I love seeing uh, just I love seeing pictures of people nowadays in seventh grade and how it compares to where I was in the seventh grade. Mm. Cause it's not, uh, it's not the same. So, <laughs> I guess yes. Let's take a hop into our time machine, mm-hmm. take a trip back, and uh, yeah. So we uh, join young Angela Palagi, uh, maiden name, mm. uh, in library class. <laughs>
1: <laughs> man yeah that's not a, that's a statement on the education system at that time i do not know what uh else.
0: yeah so library class was like i i honestly don't know what library class was but it was a lot of like uh, exploration of the the books and Mm -hmm. an exploration of like what you can get out of books, I guess. And we did things like we had mythology week. And then at the end of mythology week, everybody dressed up as a different mythological creature. And we had like a big feast and like stuff like that. So it was honestly the best class. And one week was you get to pick a book, any book you want, and you have to recreate a scene from that book. And so me and some kid named David who I literally have never spoken of or heard of since then, uh, decided that we were going to do the riddle scene from the J.R.R. Tolkien novel, uh, The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. So I played Bilbo and he played uh, Gollum. And (laughs) we recreated that scene as our project. And uh, that's how I, you know, I had... I had really been very into Harry Potter at that point. Mm -hmm. I had been very deeply entrenched in the young adult fiction world. And so I had kind of dipped my toes into Lord of the Rings in a sense that I was, I knew it existed and I knew it was something that I wanted to read. But up until that point, I probably would not have been capable of reading it just because of my age, um, (laughs) and reading capabilities. But I, I, you know, there were cartoons when we were younger. Oh yeah.
1: There there were, uh, there was the Ralph Bakshi film. Yeah. There was the, uh, I forgot who made the, the other one, the one that Leonard Nimoy sang the Hobbit song.
0: Correct. Yeah. So there were things that I like liked as a young kid. So yeah, so I, that's how I got into Lord of the Rings and then quickly from there picked up my parents, very, very old first edition, 1970s versions of, Lord of the Rings proper, read The Hobbit, read all of those, read a bunch of, you know, stuff and just really and then all of a sudden the Peter Jackson movies were out and and then it just all fell down from there. So I have a uh, long background in Lord of the Rings, and Middle-earth. Uh and then there's some other novels that I've read since then. There's mm. The Cimmerillion, which we'll talk about. Um and there is The Children of Huron, which is a novel that was released posthumously from uh J.R.R. Tolkien's son mm. who completed it for him. And then there's a few other ones. There's one called Mr. Baggins, which is a history of hobbits, and there's a there's a bunch of stuff. So Um, I also have a English to Elvish dictionary that we do. (laughs) Yeah, it's on our shelf. Uh, Yeah, I was like, where is it? Do I still have it? Yes, I do. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of my history with the world of mm-hmm. Tolkien.
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess, you know, when I'm pointing a finger at you, calling you a hipster, four are pointing back at me because my first engagement with Middle Earth was also before the Peter Jackson films. Uh, it th- something that will come as no surprise to people, when I was young, I went to a theater camp mm-hmm, from mm-hmm, ages about mm-hmm. eight to 14. Tracks. Uh, one summer, one of the plays that I got involved with that they put on was a production of The Hobbit. Uh, where they took a lot of songs, again, from that movie. Uh, they adapted the script, etc. So that was my first time engaging with the material. It led me to reading The Hobbit. Which, let's just say off the top here, when it comes to these novels, when we refer to the chronology, it goes, The Hobbit is first. No. Well, no? Well, I guess The Simmerillion is first. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: So the the way that it actually goes... Um, and we can kind of get into this in a little bit more detail, but it's the Cimmerillion, the children of Hurin. Then there's a bunch of other things: there's Benin and a uh, Baron and Luth- Lord, Luthian. There's a mm. lot of, there's going to be a lot of, uh, Garbled words in this yeah, podcast. Yeah, that,
1: that's the one thing about the Middle Earth is that there's a lot of like consonants yeah. smushed together. Lots of accents. Yeah, Baron
0: and Luthien is a the love story, and then there's the fall of Gondolin, and then there's the unfinished tales of Numenor and Middle Earth. Then the Hobbit, then the Lord of the Rings.
1: Right. So when we're talking about like the Lord of the Rings, uh, those movies specifically refer to. That set of three books slash movies, even though the series is The Lord of the Rings and The Rings of Power, yeah. it does not take place. We'll talk about the timeline within that time. So The Hobbit is a prequel to the series of The Lord of the Rings.
0: And this is a prequel to that.
1: Yeah. So I was in, I was a, a part of that and I remember reading The Hobbit. And then as a result, that was also around the time that was in the late 90s. And then soon after were the films released. And so I got into that. I don't think I had read Lord of the Rings, though, for a while because it's a little. It's dense. It's dense. And there's a lot of talk about like what they ate. And there's a lot of they go on for paragraphs. I've never been
0: hungrier than I have been reading the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And there's a lot of paragraphs (laughs) about
1: like this person was the son of this person and descended from this person. So it's a lot of family tree, a lot of hunger, but then also a lot of great action character and
0: we can get into this in a little bit more detail but a lot of what has been sort of previewed as content for the lord of the rings the rings of power um is from the appendices of the Lord of the Rings books. So you talk about, okay, this person, the son of this person, the daughter of this person, the, you know, they were, you know, the story of this and that, that's all in the appendices. And that stuff that we have been kind of teased will be part of this Rings of Power show. Which right. is which is interesting because I, I don't know about you but as a young person the appendices were not something that I necessarily read.
1: Oh, it felt like extra work. Yes, right? exactly. I'm like, oh, I didn't have to read. These I, little since footnotes. then, yes, I
0: have gone back and I've done a little bit more, you know, digging. But um, yeah, so that's kind of cool as well to kind of talk about, uh, you know, what we might be able or you can talk about in your preview some stuff that you might see um, or you know watch on the show. All
1: right, so let's start really from the ground up, and I want to start with the ground. Let's talk about the setting for the Lord of the Rings (laughs) franchise, which is, of course, Middle Earth. Well, yes. (laughs) As the name indicates, it's a planet and, you know, a surface that is not terribly unlike our own, just albeit set set in a more medieval age.
0: Right. And so there's, there's a lot of talk about what is Middle Earth and what did Tolkien create and all of this sort of stuff. But, you know, I think that the important thing to note is that Tolkien, like, he really built out this world from, like, the Big Bang down, you know, so there are ages of the world. Um, the third age is the one that everyone is most familiar with. This is the age of the Lord of the Rings proper and the Hobbit. They both take place within the third age of Middle Earth. There's the second age, which the rings of power. So I'm sort of going backwards here. Mm. The rings of power are going to take place in the one that we don't know as much about. The first age is the Age of the Cimmerillion. So that is, those are content that you can read, The Lord of the Rings and the Cimmerillion. But prior to that, we talk about the first age, and then there's the time before, which includes the time before creation of the world, the years of music, the beginning oh. of time, the years of lamps, and the years of trees. The
1: years of lamps. <laughs> I'll get into it,
0: but there's a lot of mythology about how the world was created that Mm -hmm. Tolkien wrote and it's basically there are these beings that are and we'll talk about Morgoth and he comes from Mm -hmm. that oh don't get
1: me started on Morgoth
0: (laughs) the Pangea of it all is that the world was one and it was split Middle-earth was like the lesser than and the what we will known as Valinor was the greater than and so there was a symmetry where they wanted to light the world, and that's the lamps. Morgoth destroyed the lamps. Then they lit the trees, and now there's two trees. And so, like, we don't, we really don't need to get into all of that. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in that, it exists. If you want more
1: information about lamps and trees, consult your <laughs> local library.
0: Yes, exactly. So the first age basically is what we we probably should talk about because I do think that the the rings of power sort of takes place right at the end of the first age.
1: Yeah. So we'll we'll definitely talk about that later. But I just wanted to set up at the top like Middle Earth we're not dealing with like, you know, this is an an extra planetary, no, like oh, no. uh, fluctuations in gravity and aliens and all that. This uh, is, I mean, there
0: are elves and magic. We'll, we'll so. talk about that. But
1: this is a world that is not unlike our own in terms of like topography. Topography, yeah, yeah. There yeah. are mountains. There are hills. There are deserts. Yes, like, correct. The, the environments that we're going to see. There are
0: trees. There are things like that. There so, are lamps. There are lamps. So yeah, the all the more mystical aspects of world building happen prior to this. Um, and so it ends up being that there are two worlds and then the Middle-earth is the one that we will focus on.
1: So let's talk about some of the peoples that we might find within Mid- Middle-earth because there are many. And again, I think the definitions of like, what, you know, an elf in Middle-Earth looks like versus an elf in The Witcher, for example, mm-hmm. really does vary. Just like your definition of, like, a vampire varies, but yeah. Right? So depending on the franchise. I
0: mentioned before that, you know, the Valinor is sort of what we referred to in the beginning of this podcast as the Grey Havens. It's It's kind of the ideal world. It's, you know, the heaven, the... The place where everyone wants to be and it is the elves um, who are descendant from these beings of, you know, great majesty and power. As is Morgoth, but he was banished to Middle-earth. Right. And so elves were sent over to Middle-earth, um, you know, to to help fix it. And, the, and basically they were like, okay, see ya, we're all going back to Valinor in the First Age. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of um, mythology around the elves that I think that the Rings of Power will focus on pretty heavily because they're the first
1: people. Right. And so these elves, uh, they are probably some of the longest living, right? I believe mm-hmm. they were uh, immortal, right?
0: Yeah. So they were, there's, again, like this is a, a lot of information, but they're gifted in more, they had a choice between immortality or becoming mortal, um and so the elves are the ones that chose immortality, right? Um and then there were ones that were banished, like Morgoth, who you know and then took elves and bred them with orcs and you know like all this sort of nonsense. But
1: but the elves that we see in Lord of the Rings all, all sort of have that typical look. Like yes, they're very tall, they're very lean, they're, they're very fair. They have featured. like a, yes,
0: they have like a presence to them. They are human formed, Mm. you know, human, humanoid. Yeah. Um, They're not little elves. They're not like Keepler elves.
1: (laughs) Imagine like, oh, Frodo, would you like some cookies? (laughs) That's
0: what Frodo's like. He's like a Keepler elf. But yeah, so they're very, um, you know, they're, they have a sense of power to them. Mm -hmm. They're very, um... Uh, what's the word? I mean,
1: you could say stuck up. They are kind of stuck yeah, up. Yeah, they're snooty. Certain. They're kind of above um, it all.
0: They're kind of above it all, and that's because they've they've been around forever and they know everything.
1: Right, so a <laughs> little bit of, like, been there, done that. They're also yeah. very skilled. I think the elf that most people are familiar with in the Lord of the Rings franchise is an elf by the name of Legolas, who mm-hmm. is played by Orlando Bloom, part of the Fellowship of the Ring, who is, like, the most skilled archer. Uh, in general, like, elves have great agility in, and yeah. skill when it comes to weaponry
0: yeah and they can you know walk feather light and they have like all this they have
1: eyes that can see up to like hundreds of feet away they're
0: like they're like superhuman basically and they have ears.
1: right and so again i think that superhumanity gives them certainly a lofty sense of mm-hmm. themselves right and certainly we'll we'll talk about it like you said like there was a point where some elves decided to go back to the gray haven some were like no, we're going to hunker down and like actually help some some strife that's going on. In well, because proper. yeah, because
0: I, I think we we're going to begin what we call the second age at the end of the first age's What lack of a better term battle with Mm -hmm. evil, which is basically defeating this character called Morgoth, who, you know, we again, we don't need to get into that. But (laughs) Morgoth is I imagine will be part of the Second Age story. They'll talk about about him. Yeah, because basically they left Middle Earth a, a hot mess. Because of what happened.
1: Right. I think uh, I read an Entertainment Weekly article that essentially referred to Morgoth as like Satan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean if you think about. So the, the big bad of Lord of the Rings proper is Sauron. Yeah. Sauron is the apprentice of Morgoth. Right. He's sort so, of like the
1: Beelzebub too. Again, he bad. To hell bad. Yeah.
0: He, he a bad guy. And so, you know, it's like, you think about the Sith Lords and their master apprentice. Mm, like he's we've been the, thinking about it a lot. Sauron is the Darth Maul to our emperor.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. So yeah. So the elves are probably the most powerful out of the races that they, we are talking about, have the most entrenched history with things, but they're also, again, a little bit secluded, and I would also say, again, very... I would say, like, prejudiced as well, right? There is a history that uh, goes yeah. on, especially in Lord of the Rings, with elves and dwarves. They certainly want to keep themselves away from a lot of the other races just because of the purity of what they well, possess. And this
0: is a little bit like we're in a different time in 2022 than 1937 Tolkien. You know, like, he was writing The Hobbit in 1937, and then yeah. in the 50s, you know, so he and he w- went through the World Wars, and so he has a little bit more of a antiquated idea of, um, mixing of races for example, and so there are a lot of challenges when it comes to discussing. Uh, elves and their feelings about dwarves and their feelings about humans and Mm -hmm. their feelings about, you know, other creatures. And so they do have a bit of a uh, like chip on their shoulder when it comes to that.
1: So we mentioned humans before in Middle Earth. uh, They are referred to as men as just sort of like a catch all term. But these are sort of like your regular degular humans.
0: Right. So there's two types of humans. There's the regular degular human. And then there are the ancestors of... Um, what you know, I'll refer to as a mixing of elves mm-hmm. and humans, and that is where uh, the character of Aragorn, his family line comes from. Isidore and all of these mm-hmm. other humans—they are. Um, there was a man, and he married uh, a woman, uh, and they had children, and so those children had elf slash human lives. So they were human, but they lived a long time. They didn't. They weren't immortal, but they lived longer than usual, and then that kind of trickled down into what we know as that line.
1: Right, but these are, you know, unlike elves, don't possess any sort of like. No, the only thing they have.
0: The only thing they have is that they live longer than a regular human would.
1: Okay, yeah, because I believe, yeah, Aragorn is, like, fairly old in The Lord of the Rings, right? They st- Yeah, they
0: basically, like, they have extended lifespans. Like, instead of dying at 100, they die at, like, 200.
1: Yeah, and I believe, you know, usually what people associate with men in The Lord of the Rings are uh, countries like Gondor and Rohan. The Age of the Rings of Power takes place and deaths have not been founded yet, right? I think mm-hmm. oh, there's, we might talk about like the fall of Numenor, which is this island that a lot of humanity was based off of. But yeah, it's there are actual humans inside of this world.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about the dwarves, as we mentioned earlier. So yeah. There are dwarves here. Uh, They are very populous, particularly in The Hobbit. By the time the Lord of the Rings comes around, they are a bit of like an endangered species or a lot of them have just like really... It's uh, the same
0: in The Hobbit too. At the time of The Hobbit, they're not at the height they were when... Well,
1: it's a short height. Yes. But
0: (laughs) but, I mean, the whole the whole journey of the Hobbit is to get King Thuron's treasure back Mm -hmm. because they've been defeated. So, you know, the Hobbits, yes, they are more of a character in the Hobbit, but or the sorry, the dwarves are character in the Hobbit. But um, not to the extent that they are at the height of their power where they are now.
1: But dwarves, its I don't want to compare it too much to like the most famous examples of dwarves, but at least where they reside is very much Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, right? Mm-hmm. They are miners. They they're miners, They yes. live in mountains. But they they're warriors too, you know? Yes, they very much are. Again, the most famous L- uh, dwarf from Lord of the Rings is Gimli, who has this, and my axe, right? It's just mm-hmm. this, like, hardened battle ready despite his short gait like he is ready to run a good amount of distance and charge in dwarves yeah. also have as not as long of an accelerated lifespan obviously as elves but like fairly long i think they're able to live like hundreds of years yep
0: yeah i mean they're they're it's extended i mean every i think everybody in this world definitely like lives longer than than we do and also they're they look younger for longer mm-hmm. like you think about the hobbits like frodo was 50 when he was going on his first quest to Mordor. Yeah. Um, so like...
1: dwarves, short, squat. The males are almost always bearded. Like, very well, yeah, much so that's have...
0: interesting. Up until this point, we really have not seen female dwarves in yeah. content about Lord of the Rings. And it's not... If you read about the dwarves in Tolkien's materials, his whole thing is that the, there are women dwarves, but, like, I'm sorry, Tolkien didn't write about women. Nope. Wasn't the thing. Like <laughs> there, there
1: are a, a choice few. Yeah. Men, but if, if you compare it to, again, the adaptations, which give a lot more to characters like Arwen and Galadriel, who yeah. are both elves. Like, yeah, I mean, Tolkien was very much writing from a certain time perspective. <laughs>
0: Correct. Yeah. So there, we are going to see some women dwarves in this show, which is exciting. Um, but, you know, the dwarves are at their height of their power. If you've seen the Lord of the Rings movies, you remember the time when they go through...
1: Um, the, the Mines of Moria. The Mines of
0: Moria. And it's like a, a ghost town. Mm-hmm. It's been destroyed. There's, you know, dead dwarf bodies everywhere. That's like, we're going to see the Mines of Moria. We're going to see their their palaces and their, their cities at the height of their power, which is exciting.
1: All right. One final group of, I think, what they refer to as the free peoples that I want to speak about. We mentioned the name a number of times. And I'm sure people are asking themselves, what the hell is a hobbit?
0: <laughs> well a hobbit concerning the
1: nature of hobbits concerning
0: the nature of hobbits and we're not going to see a ton of hobbits in
1: this they're well, not well, we are going to see some which is a well is a, a note that i think people were not particularly sure about
0: yeah so we're going to see hobbits in the extent to the extent of their um what i guess lack of a better term predecessors um which are known as harfoots um and basically there are um the Hobbits at this point, uh, in comparison to the Hobbits of Lord of the Rings, in Lord of the Rings, they live in the Shire, they're agrarian, they're, you know, uh, salt of the earth people, they're, they farm, they drink, they eat, they have babies, they live their lives and they're the best. Um, they're good natured and they're, they're kind and, and everyone loves a Hobbit in the this show, what we are going to see is the predecessor of the Hobbit, which is a nomadic people. Mm-hmm. So they go from town to town and there's a bunch of different ones, but there's the Harfoots and there's a couple other the ones. The Stores, the Fowl Hides, and these are, they're halflings is what they're known as. Yeah,
1: they're shorties.
0: They're shorties. <laughs> they're, they're shorties. I'm
1: pretty sure, I'm trying to remember, are they, is are the dwarves taller than the Hobbits? Yes. I think they are. I mean, yeah.
0: in general. Um, but basically they travel across Middle-earth, they have different tribes, they they have different environments, like the hills and the rivers, and then there's the forest people, um, you know, and eventually they all mingle together and they settle the Shire.
1: Right, but like you said before, hobbits are more so known for, like, farming and having parties having ha- curly
0: hair and having being and fun having
1: hairy feet and having doing hairy a- feet <laughs> doing a lot of gardening people don't necessarily expect them to be as battle ready as your men and your elves and your well, dwarves which is why yeah the you know the lore of the rings is so fun is because it puts a group of four hobbits essentially front and, and sees center.
0: how they sees how they measure up basically but yeah so the hobbits are going to be here or the halflings or the harfoots or whatever but nobody knows what the content will be because the token didn't write that we just knew that they existed at this time so it's interesting that the rings of power is taking them and putting them in the show i'm not sure what extent they'll play in like the whether they'll just be there or they'll be part of it who knows
1: so one thing i do want to mention before we move on to uh, some of the baddies is i don't know if any of these characters have been confirmed but you mentioned before like magic and magic can certainly be used by elven characters Mm -hmm. there are out and out wizards that exist in the world of middle earth but they are actually they're not just like men who can practice magic there's an entire different race called the Maiar, i -hmm. believe that is a term for wizards that resemble men but are very different
0: yeah and so i'm not sure again how much of that will get in the rings of power that's probably something that We'll have to wait and see. Because um, that's something that hasn't really been teased, as far as I'm aware. Um, but I think we're not dealing so much with that.
1: Right. But I would say, like, if you hear about Gandalf, who again mm-hmm. is, is this big wizard character, or Saruman, or even Radagast, they are not Radagast. men. They are, again, these wizards, these Maiar, they sort of like the elves yes. that existed in a different land and were brought over to Middle Earth to right. help assist in some of the stuff that to your point, happens more so near the end of the Second Age when it comes to battling Sauron the first time. I just thought I'd put that out there in case you like hear about wizards or there are people out there that are say, oh yeah, wait, they have wizards out there. Actually, mm-hmm. in this world, magic users are often a different race than what you might expect. Yes, exactly. Let's talk about some of the baddies here. because The f- baddies. Because a few have been confirmed via like images of enemies we are going to see. Because again, we yeah. are at war. There's going to be conflict here. Let's talk about orcs, Angela.
0: Orcs. What do you want to know about
1: orcs? So orcs, this is interesting. Tolkien always had this perspective when it comes to his baddies of evil cannot create, only corrupt. Writes uh, this idea of almost a John Lockean perspective of people are not inherently born evil. Uh, it's this idea of like mm-hmm. someone creates them or corrupts them to be. And this,
0: so we talk about M- Morgoth. He, he's known as Melkor prior to being banished. So if you hear the term Melkor or Morgoth, they're the same person. But basically, when he's banished or when he's like in Middle Earth, He's kind of like fucking around and Mm -hmm. creating. And finding out. Yeah. And so he basically twists and deforms the animals of Middle Earth and and fuses them with evil. This is like he brings evil to Middle Earth. That's his his situation. Um, And this is part of the First Age and, you know, why he, you know, is part of um you know he he's the big bad and basically he uh he also brings the balrog to middle
1: earth right which the balrog is a, a sort of a corrupted form mm-hmm. of like the, the peoples that the wizards yeah. came from again if you uh know the infamous you shall not pass moment from the lord of the rings that is when gandalf takes on one of these creatures called a balrog but orcs is probably like I don't want to call them like the Goombas of Middle Earth, but like, a little bit. Yeah, they're they're like the I would say almost like the mainstay enemies. Like you said, they they're bred by Morgoth. They're sort of like these ugly yet like powerful uh, from a from a strength perspective. Well, so type he of starts creatures. he
0: starts to capture elves. This guy Morgoth. Uh-huh. He starts as part of his like terror of Middle Earth. He starts to capture elves and uses them to basically breed orcs and trolls so basically everything on middle earth is descendant of an elf Mm -hmm. and then twisted into something evil so not great yeah so Mm -hmm.
1: you'll see these like ugly looking jamokes running around and oftentimes facing down with these characters they are the orcs uh you mentioned trolls as well Mm -hmm. uh they are sort of like larger bulkier types uh they have more weaknesses than orcs in particular like they cannot touch the sun or else they're going to turn to stone we see that a couple times in tolkien's writing as well but yeah i would imagine that those are going to sort of be our main big bads, uh, in terms of just like mm-hmm. generic enemy types, there is something that is created in the third age in the Lord of the Rings series of things called the Orokai. Yeah, I think it might just be limited to that, though. I don't it know is. if we'll see any orakai in the second age.
0: Well, because they're not ba- they're not made yet.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> like yeah. I'm pretty sure that was a Saruman thing specifically. That was yeah. Any other uh, random, like, races or peoples you would Mm. like to speak about before we get into the voluminous timeline of Middle-earth?
0: No, I think we're okay. Uh, The Ents, but I— Yeah, the Ents are—they're tree people. They're tree people. They're sentient trees. And they were around, so, I mean, maybe we'll see some Ents.
1: Uh, Maybe. Do you think we're going to see Tom Bombadil? He's he's also like I'm looking at no. the uh, Middle-earth peoples Wikipedia page and Tom Bombadil is in a completely well, different he's special, section.
0: But no, I don't think we will. I think that we've uh um I think we missed that boat.
1: <laughs> yeah, continue the trend. But yeah, he is somebody who just seems to be like off on his own, doing his own thing both from a biology perspective and a behavioral perspective. He's the best. All right, let's get into our timeline of Middle-earth. And like you put so well, Angela, essentially we're working with three different ages at this moment. The Third Age is not necessarily one we are considering at this moment because, again, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power is a prequel to The Third Age, which is The Hobbit and The Lord yeah. of the Rings proper. What is happening in this, uh, this this show is going to take place primarily in The Second Age. But before we get there, I think it is wise to start with The First Age because if <laughs> this show is indeed picking up in The Second Age... It'd be good to know where we came from and like the state of the world going into this show.
0: Well, yeah, so I think I mean just to start off I talked a little bit about the big bang of the worlds and you know the um the sort of creation of beings, the the lamps, the trees, you know, all of that is more like we don't need to get into the detail, but what you need to know is that the predecessor of elves basically there were a bunch of leaders within this Melkor or Morgoth was one of them, but he kind of went a bad route and started, um, you know, doing some bad things, took the lamps and, and the, the world split apart and then he was basically banished. So that's like in a nutshell, what happens, (laughs) um, middle earth is left in darkness because the Valinor decide that they're gonna, you know, like basically leave it that way. Um, And it's all about sort of what's going to happen with this Melkor guy. Um, You know, he uh, is creating orcs and creating trolls. And And there's
1: also something where he gets... So the Simerillian, I believe, comes from... Getting to that. Yeah, like elven jewelry as well. (laughs) Elven jewelry. jewelry
0: Elven jewelry, yeah. The Simerillus, which are three stones that were created... um, basically one of the high kings of noldor again they're jewels made from the light of the two trees so remember i told you that they there was symmetry to the valinor Mm -hmm. and they lit it with the lamps then they lit it with the trees the light of the two trees creates the Cimarillus, which are um you know these jewels i guess you can say um they're invaluable and they they start to corrupt and you know they all be uh, make people suspicious of each other and this is where melkor morgoth sees an opportunity to create dissent among his other um noldor elves basically um and he there's all this fighting there's all this you know you know i'm gonna get you you're gonna get me um and Basically, uh, it, it, this is what leads to the destruction of the two trees of Valinor, um, and he steals the Silmarils from the king and brings them to Middle Earth, mm. and that's how Morgoth
1: has these stones. Right, and eventually he does get overthrown. Uh, the elves are able right; to they follow
0: him. him to Middle Earth and they reclaim the Silmarils, and you know they, um, you know they basically. Um, anybody who uh you know went to middle earth will is can never go back to valinor Mm -hmm. because they basically banished morgoth and they said if you want to follow him you can't you can't go back um and you know so some people stay behind um and some people go to middle earth and that's kind of um you know where things kick off.
1: Yeah, and so they they overthrow Morgoth. They, uh, from what I'm reading here, banish him to a void beyond space and time. Correct. <laughs> but his buddy creepy. Sauron is still around. <laughs> his buddy Sauron is still around. It should also be mentioned that the battle is apparently so fierce that it essentially like terraforms Middle Earth. Well, that's and
0: that's how it becomes two pieces. Yes,
1: uh, and so that begins, I guess, two pieces into the second age. So yeah, like TLDR on uh, <laughs> on the first age. Morgoth comes around, wrecks a bunch of shit, creates some bad jewelry. Eventually, the elves... steals the bad jewelry. Steals the bad jewelry. The elves are eventually able to find him and overthrow him. But in the process, now, you know, two different continents essentially are created. Yeah.
0: Something that also should be noted is during the First Age, um, we have Baron, a man, uh, meets Luthien, an elvish princess, uh, and they fall in love. And that's, like, the first, like, man... That's the descendants of um, Isildur. But... Mm -hmm that's also a book that I told you about in the beginning. All
1: right. So let's talk about the second age here because we come in being like, cool, good news. Morgoth's gone. We did it. Let's, let's triumph now. <laughs> I know for, and I, I kind of want to, I guess, do the rundown perhaps on like the bigger points uh, specifically like starting off the second age. Cause I know that it has actually been uh, testified by the creators of the show that like, they're going to condense a lot of information from the thousands of years that the Second Age makes up. Well,
0: what's interesting is that Tolkien also says at some point in his writing that um, the Age of Valinor... Is depicted in years, but those years are actually nine to ten of our years. Mm. So he's just like everything's that takes a long time is what he's yeah. trying to get to. But that's not what's going to happen in the show. We should also mention in the first age is when Galadriel is born. We're also going to le- you learn about Elrond and his brother, mm-hmm. who is somebody who decides to be mortal. Right.
1: So they're both half elven, half human. Correct. And they sort of take the opposite sides, where Elrond decides to become immortal. Join the Elros Uh, decides to take his place uh, decides Mm -hmm. to to leave. And yeah, when again, if you know the Lord of the Rings and, you know, Elrond's particular like uh, offer that he makes to uh, to his daughter of like, do you want to join the humans or do you want to be immortal with us forever? hits very close to home, given his outcome. And Galadriel and Elrond are both going to be characters. We're going to see younger versions of them in the second age here. So let's stay with the elves because they are majorly in rebuilding mode, right? At the moment? Right.
0: (laughs) Yes. Because, you know, the the war... Of the Valar versus Morgoth last 42 years, Oof, doofa. uh, times 10. So, you know, like that's it's taken a long time. Um, the Valar they've cast Morgoth into the void, um, but now the, the Middle earth is a, a bit of a hot mess. Um, so
1: yeah, because like now a bunch of the elves have separated, right? There's like the yeah. Sylvan elves that go into the yeah. forest, there's some that remain by the water. There's
0: also, um an island in between Middle Earth and Valinor called Numenor, which mm-hmm. is you're going to probably hear a lot about that. It's men who escaped the the battle and they they went there. Um, so you're going to find there's the king of Numenor and all of that. So um, yeah, I think that it's it's all about sort of like building and 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 helping things. Uh, get back to you know whatever glory they had pre-Morgoth
1: right one thing that should be noted though is like you said a lot of full circle moments the more things change the more they stay the same mm-hmm. while we're staying on the elves there is an uh, an elf in the second age by the name of Celebrimbor uh, Celebrimbor who will be appearing in the Rings of Power he is an elven jewel smith mm-hmm. and he gets happened upon by this one particular stranger who's like, hey, I hear you're really talented. Uh, can you make several rings for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, sure. And it turns out that this stranger is actually Sauron, who is, again, the... Yes. He basically
0: uh, tricks him into
1: creating the yeah, Rings of Power. The apprentice of uh, the you know now banished Morgoth into making these rings the Rings of Power.
0: Yeah, and so the elf, it, there's there's going to be the the war of the elves and Sauron is basically what I think we're going to be dealing with here.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're like I'm imagining what we're going to be seeing is Sauron going from like again, this shape-shifting trickster into becoming like the all-powerful all-seeing eye uh that uh, then just when you think you're out of it, mm-hmm. out of the frying pan into the fire, another war ends up brewing here, unfortunately due to the fact that this elven you know jeweler ends up creating this set of rings that once again much like the somorillus are meant to corrupt its holders
0: right and so at the same time that all this is happening there are things being built so um galadriel is the character we're going to meet in the the Rings of Power show, who is a character you'd be familiar with from the
1: Lord of the Rings. Right, the Cape Blanchett, like a uh, super washed out filter, mm-hmm. m- but stark white. This Mare. is
0: much before that. So this yes. is when she's still a young scrappy warrior. Um, Probably. I'm not sure. I, you know, they're, they're mixed. They're condensing a lot of stuff, but her and Celebor do build um, Lorien, which is basically their kingdom, their Elven kingdom. They that happens in the first age. I don't know if that's going to be like simultaneous or Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and Elrond does the same thing with Rivendell during this time. So I don't know if they're going to like have that already have happened or it's going to happen. I'm not sure. But, you know, basically there all of that is happening during this for second age or whatever.
1: So you talked about Numenor. Let's speak about it because, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is sort of like it's its own island but yes. it prospers a lot over the course yeah. of the second age like it becomes this bastion of knowledge well of it's culture. also
0: the elves and the númenor men
1: Arsenal, oh, so no, i think those is that the dunedain is that the name Not, for them no well,
0: no they're the númenorian
1: oh, um
0: they de- they're the ones that they have an alliance and they de- de- defeat sauron eventually mm-hmm. but um this is also where Isildur is born on númenor the dunedain are the descendants of that particular line of people that was um, the elf-human hybrids. Yeah,
1: and so what essentially happens, though, is that, again... Not everyone
0: on Numenor is a Dunedain.
1: Gotcha. It's a rectangle-square thing. Yes. Uh, But they, they build themselves up to be, again, this like cultural powerhouse but there are surprise, surprise, some like political machinations going on. If and, I remember correctly, y-
0: well, yes, because they they capture and they defeat uh, Sauron, or they're you know they they capture Sauron, but while he's on Numenor, he starts sowing dissent, and you know they he uses his powers to corrupt them. They become corrupted,
1: right? And so there now, there's a bunch of like competing factions mm-hmm. for control of the throne, where there's like you know bloodline stuff versus who should rightfully sit on the throne yeah and
0: so eventually what's going to happen is that um you know they're gonna just sink Numenor in the
1: ocean <laughs> yeah and that is again an event that that is certainly talked about in terms of the second age yeah. the fall of Numenor again that's something that is often referenced yes in Tolkien's text uh, as like and then there's uh,
0: survivors of this fall of Numenor that are yeah. loyal to the elves and those like, are the like pe-
1: Isildur and his father yeah exactly all right so that is a big one. And then we got the dwarves sort of like doing their own thing. I know there's some stuff about how like the smiths in khazad Doom uh, end mm-hmm. up like being friendly enough with the elves. But it's pretty much right. that the dwarves are just, you know, building their society. Like you said, in the second age, they're at the height of their power. And they're just hanging out in the mountains doing Yeah, they thing. have their
0: own shit going on. Which yeah. hopefully we'll learn a little bit about.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it might be a little bit separated from all the action. That's, I think, one thing to say about all this is I know we are sort of describing things as a bit disparate in the second age, but that's kind of what it was.
0: Yeah. As far as we're aware, everything kind of happened separately. I mean, I think the main story that, that Tolkien writes about are the elves and their sort of conflict and what's going on there, because it is still the age of elves, you know, and in Lord of the Rings, the movies and the books um, Elrond says the age of the Elf is over. It's the age of man. Now we're not there yet. It's still the age of the elf. So a lot of the, I think storyline will come from that. And then whatever the show creators create for the dwarves and the halflings and all of that is kind of up in the air. Nobody knows.
1: Right. That's the thing is that we're led to perceive that a lot of the dwarven and elvish stuff is sort of separate. Think about, you know, first couple seasons of game of Thrones and right? maybe they'll
0: tie it together in a fun way that, that wasn't something that was done.
1: Yeah, you never know, because I know that like the a lot of the dwarven and halfling characters in particular are original creations for this series. So there's not like canonical. Oh yeah, this person's in there. Much like you might see a Celebrimbor or an Isildur, both of whom are appearing in the Rings of Power. Mm-hmm, exactly. So yeah. So I would imagine the scope that we're covering, at least in the first season, right? Is the elves are rebuilding. The humans are hanging out on Numenor, even though there is a bit of dissent going on in terms of who should rule on the throne. Right. Dwarves are hanging out in the mountains. Halflings are all just being their nomadic selves for now, wandering about the continent. Exactly. Yeah. Any any other details we feel like we should cover here in terms of just a basic preview as to what to expect from things? Because again, uh, I sh- well, I guess we should mention Second Age ends with, like you said, The men and elves do end up striking up this alliance. They join up together to end up uh, taking out Sauron, who is holding on to one of these aforementioned Mm -hmm. rings of power. Uh, Isildur does end up taking the ring temporarily, and then that spins off an entire set of events that leads into The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings proper exactly (laughs) you got it yep and that's basically it so again the reason why we spent we were so fixated on the second age is because that's the time that this takes place in i would say if you want to check out stuff about the third age that has been well documented both in film form in book form and in podcast form as well if you're a patron of post show recaps back in january Myself and Angela got to join Josh Wegler and Emily Fox to commemorate January Ring, if you will. Where we watched all three Lord of the Rings movies. We sure did. Uh, that was a very fun time. We talked through them. So, yeah, the third age is well documented. As you mentioned before, the first age is well documented in the Silmarillion. Now we're dealing with stuff that you can kind of pick up bits and pieces from, from what Tolkien has wrote, written about. But there hasn't been an outright, like narrative that tolkien has done right Right. he hasn't outright written a lot of things where yeah and like
0: i said before in the appendices of his novels there are um there's some content about it we've hopefully given you some insight into that also his son christopher is the one that has written a few things as well based Mm. off of his um his work you know the children of Huron and stuff like that that's all stuff that christopher wrote it's not tolkien but it's you know people consider it canon
1: so, obviously, if people have other questions, other clarifiers that they want to know about, I know we threw a lot at you. Yeah, I sorry. <laughs> hope, but I hope we were able to stick relatively to like a simple explanation to give everyone at least. I'm sure there's somebody
0: out there that's like, you didn't talk about this person. It's like, well.
1: Well, we'll have plenty more opportunities. Again, two more preseason podcasts, and then we have an entire freaking season of the show to speak about. Uh, but. If you want to contact us uh, about anything with regards to Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, just email me, mike at postshowrecaps.com. I'll then direct it to the proper sources, be it a DM Philly, be it an Angela, etc. But this was a, a delight. Are you excited? We're only a, a few weeks now upon the Rings of Power premiering on Amazon Prime.
0: Yep, I'm excited. <laughs>
1: short and simple. Yeah, I mean, what else is, what
0: else is there to say?
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about what to expect and who knows, it might like completely go in another direction. That's what I'm
0: saying. I do think that there's a lot of potential for us just having a totally different experience from this show, you know, because they are condensing things. They're it's loosely um tied to content written by Tolkien.
1: <laughs> but if it does help for you devoted people out there, Uh, The Rings of Power has been shown to only a select few groups of people. One of them was the show did fly out like some very... Yes, I'm so mad. (laughs) ...in-depth Tolkien fans to watch like a screener of an episode and they fawned
0: Yeah, they liked it, yeah. So so if
1: they're giving the seal of approval, like that's not obviously J.R.R. Tolkien himself doing so, but like it's a fairly good seal of approval. So again, this is but the first. We are doing... As is custom, I think, with a lot of these Tolkien adaptations, mm-hmm. a trilogy of preseason podcasts. Next week, myself, Rich, other guests, TBD, are going to pit the two upcoming fantasy series of note against each other. We're going to talk about House of the Dragon versus the Rings of Power. What are we expecting? How do the worlds of Westeros and Middle Earth compare and contrast mm-hmm. to one another? Uh, Angela, in general, do you have any expectations for House of the Dragon?
0: Uh, No, I'm excited. But I don't have any expectations. I'm kind of just like here to see it.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, if it's fantasy, you're at least going to check it out. I think that's a good rule of thumb yeah. for you.
0: Yeah, I'll check it out.
1: Yeah, that's that's your bread. I also
0: love me some Matt Smith. So
1: that's true. And he, he shows up here. I mean, you are rewatching The Crown, though. I think you're past him. I am right past now. him. Yes. You're speaking of Game of Thrones. You're at the Tobias Menzies mm-hmm, era mm-hmm. of uh, Prince Philip. But yeah, we're going to be doing that next week. Then the week after, myself and Rich will give essentially the everything you need to know about the Rings of Power in terms of specifics, characters, plot points, maybe some speculation from there. That should be a lot of fun. So, due to our voluminous coverage of the Rings of Power, we have a new podcast feed, posherrecaps.com rings. Short, sweet, simple way to subscribe to our uh, Rings of Power only feed. While you're there, if you want to give us a rating and review, that is greatly appreciated, especially as this is a new feed and the show is just getting started. We want new eyes and ears on our feed to check out all the great content we have happening. Uh, You can also follow us on social media. I am at a Mike Bloom type. Angela is at Ange Pelagi. And of course, you can follow at Post Show Recaps. Let us know your thoughts. If you found this informative for somebody who doesn't know a lot about the world of Middle Earth, if there are things that you wanted more uh, clarification on, if there were other things that you loved about Middle Earth. Again, I do apologize that we couldn't really get into the nitty gritty, but listen, I don't want okay. to scare away the newbies too well, much. Well, also, it's just a lot of
0: information that probably won't be necessary for people to know. Like, do they really need to know about the years of the lamps? <laughs> like,
1: I, I mean, Listen. That's where I'm going. You're next. intrigued. I'm, I need to know about these lamps, man. Uh, they well, lit the world. Well, we're about to turn off the light on this podcast. Angela, thank you for coming on. I know it's it's been a while since we've had you on a podcast proper, but I always love getting to do it. Oh, yeah. Speaking from my own personal biases. You never see me otherwise. Yeah, Otherwise, I'm just in here the entire time. I'm I mean, like, that's this not is, untrue. This is my own void of space and time. <laughs> so I'm, true. I'm more to myself.
0: You sure have.
1: <laughs> all right. So again, myself and Rich will be back next week with at least one guest to talk about our next podcast in Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Thank you again so much for listening. Subscribe, slash rings. Thank you again to Angela, and thank you all for listening. Take care. Bye bye.